Hello and welcome to Explorify Canada podcast. Join us as we sit with other Canadians at the roundtable to discuss and sometimes argue about financial independence in Canada. All right, welcome to the Explore FI Canada podcast. Uh, exciting interview today. Chrissy, good morning. Good morning. Hello, Money Mechanic and our guest, Jolie. Yes, exciting. We have Jolie uh, Vigers on the show with us this morning. And we're going to get into her story and some things, some interesting uh, parts of her life about FI. So, welcome, Jolie. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad you're here. Uh, do you want to just sort of fill us in on whereabouts in Canada you are and uh, maybe just a little little bit of background for us? Sure. So I grew up on a grain farm in Saskatchewan. And so I knew I had to go away for school and I ended up coming here to Calgary. On the second day of school, I met my now husband. And <laughs> so we have now stayed here in Calgary. He actually works for the municipal government. And so this is where our life is now. Well, you didn't uh, waste much time, eh? Second day of school? <laughs> it's really kind of a funny story because neither of us, of course, neither of us were looking for a relationship at the time, but that's the way it turned out. <laughs> awesome. And you have a few, you have kids as well? You've been together for a while? Yeah, so we just passed our 24 years. So yeah, you can work the math as to how old I am. And we have a daughter who is almost 15 and a son who is 13 next month. That's uh, that all fits into the uh, the FI journey that your family's on. Uh, you indicated that you're you're kind of doing uh, slow fi. Yeah, you know, it was one of uh, our decisions that we made just when we were kind of first together that we aren't fancy people, so we don't need flashy things, and so when we were first married, okay, well, yeah, we wanted to have me stay home with the kids. So in buying a house, that was a priority that we could manage it on one income. And then I stayed home for eight years doing a few contract jobs. And then I went back to work part-time and full-time and now back to part-time. And that flexibility has been huge in our quality of life. So I, I find it interesting that you made this decision very early on to go on the slower path to FI. So did you know about FI back then or was it just naturally the way you lived your life? It was all just natural for me. Growing up on the grain farm, we never knew if there was going to be a good crop this year. So we always had a, the money from last year in the bank or in the bins, right? So we were, I grew up quite conservative as far as that goes. So it was just a natural tendency for me. And then, you know, when I'm focused, like when I had my student loans, which weren't very much, but, you know, I knocked those off in three years. Like that was a goal and it was done because I'm very debt averse and so is my husband. So we're a good team when it comes to that. Are your parents aware of this, uh, your path to financial independence? Like, is this how they live also? I don't know that my parents really live a FI lifestyle. I mean, they officially retired from farming at ages 65-ish. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily early. For farmers, it certainly is. Quite often, mm -hmm. they're still doing it in their 80s, like my grandpa was. But for regular people, no. I think it just gets to a point where 
it's really about enjoying your life, right? And if you've got the financial backing to do that, then go ahead. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to my husband and I, my husband's still working. So, you know, I joke, oh yeah, I'm fine because my husband still works, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, uh, So that gives me the flexibility. But at the same time, you know, if my parents were to see my husband quit his job and, you know, start a side hustle, they would maybe get a little bit nervous, uh, but that's not really part of our plan. Our plan has always been for him to continue working at the the city and to get his pension. That's, that's part of our FI plan, which is not quick. So that's our slow FI. I like it. I mean, it's, it's similar to us too. I, I always say I live the fi life now because I'm a stay-at-home mom and my husband works. And yeah, we, we've chosen a, a slower path to fi because we we want to spend money on the things that we enjoy now instead of saving it all for, you know, retiring super early and then, you know, doing it all after that. So I I, I like the way, the path that you've chosen. It's, it's very similar to ours. Well, and you know, it just kind of works for us. Well, my my daughter's going into grade 10. I don't have very many more summer holidays with her. And so I want to spend the time with them. And Mm -hmm. so having a part-time job gives me that flexibility. Not only that, but I can do it with my laptop from anywhere. So, you know, we do a lot of camping in the summer and I just take my laptop and run payroll from wherever I happen to be that time. Right. So that's what works for us. So your background is in finance. You are a designated accountant. And I take it that's sort of when you're saying you've worked part, um, full-time, part-time, et cetera, that's all covered that. Um, you're doing some uh, contract work you mentioned. What's that about? So yeah, again, super determined. When I was 18, 20 years old, I was coming to the big city. I was getting my education, going to be an accountant. I want to be CFO in downtown Calgary. Mm-hmm. So I got my designation. I had an oil and gas job. They paid for my designation, which was awesome. Nice. And yeah. then I had a baby. <laughs> 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 and then everything changed. Then, you know, we live out in the suburbs and I don't want to go all the way downtown anymore. And so our priorities obviously changed then too, right? So Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see that. I don't have children myself, but uh, I hear the stories. <laughs> So yes, I did get my, I got a business degree. I took my accounting classes, got my CMA designation, which is now called a CPA designation. So I've been working accounting for 20 years. Wow. That's a lot of experience. That's great. So you're doing some, you have a business on the side now as well. You have your own uh, coaching, financial coaching business. I find very interesting. I've been, I, I don't have, unfortunately, the background on paper, but I'd love to get into the financial coaching if I it could help some people, you know, do the, do the sort of financial literacy angle. Yeah, you know, this kind of came about, it was a couple of years in the, in the making, in the rumbling around inside my head as to how I was going to do this or what it looked like. I've spent quite a few years uh, in mentorship programs with CPA and with some immigrant associations here in Calgary. And I've been presenting junior achievement for almost a decade. So I know that the need is there. And every time when I work with these people, I say, oh, I love seeing the change on their face. I love to make that impact and see that, you know, I'm making a difference to them. That's kind of what started this whole thing. And I was wondering how to go about this. So while still doing my accounting work, I also took a 
financial coaching class local here in Calgary. And so that gave me some more of the, the background to be able to do that. Right. So I started my company in December of last year. It's called Wellbeing Coaching as in wellness, like health, bean, because I'm a bean counter, obviously. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and coaching, because that's my role. You know, it's kind of like a, a personal trainer at the gym. You still have to do the work to get the results. So I'm there to coach and educate, right? Sometimes I'm just an accountability partner to say, yeah, you know, yeah. here's your homework and this is what we need to do. And sometimes I'm just a cheerleader to say, yes, you can do it. Yeah, I love your tagline. It says coaching confidence for financial independence. I think that's a great line. Yeah, I love it. And I think it's actually, it's not necessarily tied to the fire, the fire community, because it can be for my kids, right? I want them to be financially independent. That doesn't mean that they're living off of their savings and all that kind of thing, right? But I want them to be able to have the tools to buy a car, to use a credit card appropriately, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, I found a lot of my clients are single women. And so I want them to have that confidence to do it on their own. So what would a typical client uh, relationship look like? How would you meet them? And you know, how long do you stay with them? What part of their journey do you uh, help them with? So everything that I do is custom to what my clients need. So usually they'll reach out to me and I'll say, hey, yeah, let's meet for coffee. You know, there's no point in going into a further relationship if there isn't a good connection and mm -hmm. sense of trust. Like that is huge. When we're talking about people's finances, that's kind of the key. We have to get on the same page. So, you know, no commitment. Let's just meet for coffee, see what you need, because maybe what you need isn't really what you think you need. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, could, I can definitely see that. Yeah. After that, say, okay, well, here's kind of what I normally do, but we can customize that as well. So some clients, they need help with getting their debt under control right? They need some tools. They need, they don't even know where they're at maybe, right? I have some clients that need help on, I don't know how to read my investment statements and am I invested in the right things? And then I have some clients that are, you know, it's a couple and they're trying to just get on the same page. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> Couples finances <laughs> must be always a challenge. I'm, I'm sure you play part counselor sometimes. <laughs> well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's not my background, right? I am an accountant still, but it's all about asking the right questions. It's not mostly the, what I do isn't me telling you to do these things. I mean, I tell you to do the homework and then you decide, oh, when I look at my spending analysis, that makes me feel Eek, icky. And so I know I need to make the change, right? It's not mm -hmm. about me saying you're spending too much money on clothes or you have to stop eating out because they're not going to listen to me, right? So it has to come from them internally. And they know that because they've done the homework and they feel it themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about that aha moment. And uh, it, yeah, it has to come from within. That's such a good point there. Mm -hmm. 
one of the questions I want to ask you is, you know, you are in the fire community, community, you're in the Choose FI Canada Facebook group, you're aware of fire. And I know for most of us, once we discover fire, we just want to tell everybody about it. So (laughs) do you tell your clients or do you have to restrain yourself and contain it so that you're not overwhelming them with all this knowledge? Absolutely. I tell them about it because there are so many resources. I think that's also part of my role is to say, hey, check out this podcast, listen to this or read this book or this blogs or there's so many resources that it doesn't have to be about, you know, work hard, bank all your money, retire by 30 right? There's a whole spectrum of this. So if you can just take the parts that apply to you, then I think everybody can win with that system. I totally agree. And and what has the reception been with your clients? Are they shocked? Or, or do any of them outright reject it because they feel it's too extreme? Or, or do you just present it in a way where it's easier for them to sort of slowly get on board? The response has been quite warm to everything, with one exception. If I have clients that are a little bit older, they do not like seeing the simple math. Oh, sh. (laughs) (laughs) The the shockingly simple math to early retirement. So my one exception to my clients having a warm reception is if I have clients that are a little bit older, they are confused and don't like the shockingly simple math by Mr. Money Mustache Mm -hmm. because I think they feel that it's too late for them. Okay. So I've, I've stopped kind of showing that side. I mean, that's great for someone who is 18 or 25 and they can make a difference in that. But if you're 50, well, yeah, you can, you can still make some changes, but that's not going to apply to you near as much. Yeah. You just don't have that time for compounding left anymore. You have to shovel so much more savings in there to make that math work. That's right. Interesting. Do you find, is there a certain average age for your clients? I mean, it sounds like you're dealing with a, a whole sort of spectrum from people that are in debt to people that want to improve their saving and investing. Is it people that are sort of with families now and they finally realize that they need to sort of start setting some money aside? Is there a typical type of uh, customer you have? It's interesting because after working with Junior Achievement, I knew that there was such a, a need for this in the high school age group. So I intended for this, my programs to be targeted towards the teens, but in a short few months, I've had to do a pivot because most of my clients have been professional women. And so they're at the stage where they're ready to take on this information because they want to commit and have that confidence that they're on the right track. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You see, once you start earning, uh, you want to make sure you're putting your money in the right direction. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm not sure why, but it's been mostly women. And even for some of the boot camp classes that I've done, it's been women that have shown up. And I think that it definitely changes the way that conversation flows in the class. And it's very welcome. And I've loved it. So uh, I appreciate these ladies that are taking charge of their finances, whether they're in 
relationship or not, you know, some of them are just single and they don't have a sounding board. So they just want to chat and say, you know what, I don't want to be sold something by the banks because I don't understand what they're talking about. So can you help me through this part? And will I have enough to retire? I'm noticing that there's a lot of, well, I'm not speaking about women looking to get into finance, but from our, my point of view as a um, you know, blogger and podcaster, Chrissy, we've, uh, we've interviewed already with uh, some other women that are very knowledgeable. Uh, lots of other, uh, we interact on Twitter with lots of other bloggers, female bloggers. I, I see it, it seems like a growing trend. I mean, Chrissy, you started last year. Your blog's fantastic as well. It, it appears though there's a definite shift from the stereotypical, uh, you know, Mail and finance type thing. Yeah, it's it's funny because in my real life, the people I'm surrounded by, the women have a very good handle on the, their money. My, both of uh, my husband and my mom's, they they both handled all the finances in the family. So for me, it just felt natural that women just take care of the money. So it, it's interesting to see that you know it's it's becoming more widespread and it's it's just normal for women to be interested and want to handle their own money. Yeah, for sure. I grew up with a single mom and uh, she was very frugal and, and taught me a lot. So you know, it's, it's nothing unusual for me, for sure. Well, and I think these days too, they talk about the two Ds, the death and divorce. You know, I have friends and, you know, people that I know that have lost their spouse or that, you know, they've split up and now there are big decisions that need to be made, you know, regarding, you know, houses and investments. And sometimes if they weren't fully involved prior, all of a sudden this is a big thing that they have to take on solo. And it's scary. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot. So you're living in Calgary, you said in the suburbs. So you're a little bit outside of town there. As far as, well, focusing on uh, reaching financial independence uh, for that area of Calgary. I know that they went through a huge housing boom before 2016. Uh, things kind of flattened out a little bit there. So there's housing prices and things like that under control. Is it is it still priced for, you know, the average, uh, average earner trying to seek FI to buy a house or is it better to rent there? What's that like? You know, I think if I were just young right now, I would probably be looking to rent. I think some of the stigma is dissipating regarding just just renting rather than owning your own home. The market prices have definitely softened in the last, I'd say probably four, five years. We're definitely not at the peak that we were before, but yeah. um, I, I'd still think that it's... I think everybody's still kind of holding their breath and hoping for it to go back up. I always had the impression, I mean, I've worked out of Calgary a bit and flown in and flown out, and I saw the city expand so quickly. I guess maybe we're talking a decade or 15 years ago. And I always kind of got the impression with all the new uh, developments that people were buying it appeared to me they were buying more home than was sort of necessary. I just wonder, like, you know, I'm in Victoria. I'm kind of biased because in the town area, there's a, we're all in older homes. I mean, I'm in a home from the '60s, and it it was interesting. If you're on your path to Phi, the impression I got was it was really easy there to buy too much, spend too much. Is that still true? Or I think it's very true, and I think with some of the salaries, especially with the energy jobs around here, it was very easy to get sucked into spending more than you 
could or should or <laughs> needed to, right? So buying more house, absolutely. Buying way more car, absolutely. So, I mean, is it easy? Well, I guess it depends on the caliber of job that you have, right? What kind of salary that you have. And yes, there's definitely urban sprawl. They're doing a lot now to try and build more inner city. But, you know, if it came to me, I wouldn't be able to afford a place like mine if I was close to downtown for sure. Right. Right. So basically if you're, uh, you want a city job or whatever, you're having to, to live and commute uh, to make it affordable, basically, if you're starting off or if you're on your journey to FI. You know, if, again, if it's what your lifestyle, what you want from that. You know, if I wanted a, a two-bedroom apartment, absolutely, I could get that downtown. Sure, I'd probably yeah. still pay about what I'm paying for my house further out. Uh, but if that's what suits your lifestyle, absolutely. Now, if you want to go, you know, hardcore FI or FIRE, then... Yeah, there are even other areas of town that would definitely be cheaper that, you know, might be less desirable for some people. And especially if you have a family, right? Well, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you and your husband have been very mindful with your choices, particularly in housing and transportation. You mentioned a few vehicles you've had that have many hundreds of kilometers on them. <laughs> it's impressive. I mean, that is such a five move to to do that, to drive your vehicles for as long as you can. And you also bought a house that was well within your budget. Are there other advantages you would say living in Calgary, like other than you just choosing to be mindful with your spending? What what has living in Calgary given you as far as advantages in reaching five? You know, I think working and living in a big city that's going through a lot of growth hasn't necessarily uh, given us a lot of advantages unless you are really mindful about it. So sure, yes, my husband makes a great salary. It's nowhere near the oil and gas salaries that, you know, a lot of people in the city have though, right? I think if you're mindful though, and you buy that suits your lifestyle, then I think you can make it work. So would you consider Calgary a high cost of living area? Uh, I mean, I mean, I know it's obviously not, we're not comparing Vancouver's and Toronto's here, but as far as, you know, you said your family in Saskatchewan, so in comparison to Regina or Saskatoon? I think Calgary is definitely still higher than uh, the Saskatchewan big cities, but um, I think they're all still growing. I, I think, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a, no, it's a tough question. I mean, it's just I just out of curiosity. We all we all wonder that, and that's part of what uh, you know we're bringing on the show here is is these regional differences for for those of us that you know live in different parts of Canada. It's really interesting to see what the cost of living is like in these other cities. Uh, would you do you plan to stay in Calgary indefinitely? Is it your forever home type thing, or do you have? You know, you say you travel a lot, or I saw somewhere in here some mention of Belize. That's awfully interesting. Are you going to be a snowbird? Uh, we might be. We might be. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame you. I've been to Alberta in the winter. <laughs> uh, so first of all, when you're talking about the cost of living and all of that with Calgary, I, I don't think you can find a place in Calgary that's going to give you your 1% rule if you're looking for rental real estate. 
that should give you a clue. I think that that's pretty common in Canada across the board compared to the United States when you're, you know, listening to those podcasts and you're like, they bought a house for what? You're not going to. I know. It's it's so frustrating. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things that we've kind of toyed with, um, we've been to Belize a couple of times now and we are very interested in that. But at the same time, we're also big explorers. You know, we have a, a camping trailer that we drag all over the place so that we can go and explore and see and do different things all over the place. So that's why we don't want a cabin. So we're still a little bit on the fence about actually buying property uh, somewhere like Belize because then we feel obligated to go there. So when we consider it, oh, well, perhaps though we could use it as a rental, that changes the conversation for us. So it's definitely something on our radar, but um, not this year. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned real estate in, in that Calgary area. I, we have the same problem here on the West Coast of not being able to, well, I shouldn't say there isn't, but it's much more difficult to find profitable rental real estate. So the rest of your, you're not invested in real estate yet. You do have sort of, you've gone through a bit of a, a developing, a changing in investment strategy over the years by the sounds of it. Regarding like our financial investments at the banks? Yeah, absolutely. We have changed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I was just going to ask, did it change with, in relation to the more you learned about uh, financial independence and once you found some of the blogs you indicate that you like, you know, Choose FI uh, podcast and the Paula Pant, which uh, we both also enjoy, did that influence your investment decisions in the past or did you go through sort of the natural progression and um, to wind up where you are? It was definitely as we learned more, we knew better and so we made changes. Absolutely that. But I think part of the problem for us is that we wanted someone that was really on our team. And so it was easy to go to the bank and, you know, oh, this person was definitely going to be our guy. We wanted a guy because we, oh, wanted, yeah. we wanted to have that connection. And after failed attempt, and then of course they get cycled around and failed attempt again. And, you know, we've kind of come to the conclusion that they just aren't on our team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've ended up now finally, uh, like the rest of us, seeing the light and uh, and you do index funding. You're self-directed? Yeah. It's funny because, you know, people talk about paydays. I don't know when payday is, but I can tell you two days after payday because that's my Quest Trade login day, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so you must have it set up for an automatic uh, withdrawal uh, going straight into Quest Trade, and then the money shows up there, and you go in there, and you rub your hands together, and you see which ETFs you have to rebalance. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you're you're a coach, do you coach your kids uh, in how to invest, or are they not quite at the right age for that yet? Uh, I haven't been talking investments with them yet, but we have just been doing their basic money management. So for their allowance, for example, they get $20 a month, which isn't very much, but they also don't have to buy very much. So <laughs> what we was like 1995 over there, <laughs> 20 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah. But this is how it works because they don't want for much, right? And so they get $20, 13 of it gets transferred straight into their bank account that is saved up for something big. 
Uh, $5 they can do with whatever they want. So that's buying Slurpees at max or whatever it is. And $2 is their donate. So we give them a, a toonie and a $5 bill and do a transfer at the beginning of the month. And so before I will give them another allowance, you know, come August 1st or whichever month, then they need to prove to me that they've tracked all of their spending in their online app. Oh, wow. That's a great idea. So this is just on their their bank account money. No, I don't need to know when they went to Max. I mean, if they've got money, <laughs> they can go to Max. And if they don't, they don't, right? And they don't ask me because that's out of the question. But yeah, so I've been using a little app called Spendy. And it's super easy for the kids. They can log in. They say, oh, yeah, $13 transfer in and then, you know, $20 transfer out or not transfer, but a purchase for whatever, a new shirt or whatever it happens to be. So that's their accountability before they get their next uh, allowance. That's fantastic. So it's called Spendy. Yep. And does it connect to their bank account or is it just something they have to manually enter? Uh, I'm a little bit leery about connecting some bank account things, especially with a free app. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. no, it's not connected. And again, I need them to feel the pain a little bit, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I made them do the whole prior year of transactions. And this is the golden moment. My daughter, she was getting through about August and whatever. She's like, wow, mom, what a difference that I don't have all the transactions that I had before when I was in grade eight and I went to 7-Eleven every noon hour. So, <laughs> this is gold, right? So not only yeah. did she not have the money going out, but she had fewer transactions that she had to enter in that month too. <laughs> exactly. So do you picture second generation fire? Or five for your kids? Are, are, do you see that there's any inkling of interest or are you are you starting to spread some of the info to them? So uh, my daughter has quite a good sense of her money management. My son is a little bit more questionable because, you know, Fortnite skins are really cool. So oh, yes, <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> so, uh, but I think, again, it's less that what I'm teaching them and more what we're showing them. Okay. Just modeling by example. Yeah. And, now, you know, whether my kids, you know, work hard, bank fast and retire, I don't need for that. I just want them to have a good job or career or mm -hmm. life that they're sustainable. Mm -hmm. And speaking of se second generation phi, that... Um, is a link to Choose FI. And uh, we know that you're involved with their high school curriculum review team. And we, we don't know much about that. Can you tell us more? Oh, I am so excited about this. So, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's a team of us that are reviewing a curriculum for the high school. But let me tell you, they have a curriculum from kindergarten through grade 12. No way. So wow. they are starting teaching money management, financial literacy skills in kindergarten. Wow. That was a different group that was reviewing that. So they've got all of these programs that they've got set up. So I've been on the high school review team. We're just finishing up here now. And it's been so exciting because, so number one, this is a curriculum that will be developed and accessible and free to any teacher that wants to use it. 
Amazing. Completely free. They have a few um, beta testers that are getting it in September. I'm very excited that I have uh, one of my teacher friends in Saskatchewan who's going to be doing a beta of it. And then the full release will be in December, January. I love that. I, I am so excited. So is, is this something also that parents could access and use with their kids? Because I, I can see that it might be difficult to get it into a school. There's probably a lot of red tape that you have to get through in order to actually implement it in a classroom. You know, I've gotten that question as well. And I think actually a lot of the teachers have quite a bit of flexibility in what they teach. I guess it depends in what class you're talking about, whether it's math or comm. That's a career and life mm -hmm. management that we have here, grade 10, 11. So I think there actually is quite a bit of leeway. And besides that, there, we have someone on the team who is a teacher in the United States. This is a, an American developed course with, you know, they'll be tweaking it for Canadian as in, you know, worldwide. Um, but she's a teacher. And so she knows all of the objectives and all of the key things and the vocabulary. All of that is done up at the very beginning of the lesson. So it's very easy to say, oh, these, these are all the things that we check off in doing this program. Fantastic. I love it. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to learning more about that. So uh, now you call it the Choose FI high school curriculum. Is it related to Choose FI, uh, the podcast or anything? Absolutely. That's how it all okay. came about. And so it's definitely a, a financial independence related programming. But I mean, we're pulling in, again, there's so many resources. So we have videos from Dave Ramsey, for example, right, as a, an introduction to some of the lessons. And so there's so many online resources that we've collaborated all into this program that kids get a taste of all these different things so that they have the skill set and the, you know they're getting an understanding as to their behaviors around money not just you know this is how you calculate compound interest yeah it's so much as the behavioral side of it is so important i have tried to i've looked through some other sort of uh school age type uh introduction to investing stuff and it it appeared to me that it was a little bit too much sort of gamification and, you know, just using straight numbers or here, here's some money, uh, invest in a stock and see what happens type thing. Yeah. And, you know, in the program, there are definitely those things. We've got a couple of different simulators and it's neat when you can combine all of those resources into a comprehensive program. I mean, you're going to touch on everything, right? Because everybody learns differently, whether it's, you know, just reading through something or if it's a video or if it's doing the action thing that you're, you know, standing up and presenting to the class. You know, we try to incorporate those things across all of the different topics as well. If I, as a parent, would like to see this implemented at my school, do you have a plan for, or, or sort of a, a sheet that could be given to teachers? Like, How would a parent go about trying to get this into a school? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that, but I would definitely be reaching out to the Choose FI team because mm -hmm. they're, they want to promote it. They want it out there just solely for the, the reason of getting people more educated. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll look forward to hearing lots more about that. Yeah, and like I said, d December, January, they should have the whole online portfolio ready for all the teachers. The beta testers don't get it quite so pretty just yet, but uh, they still get all the content. 
So you are busy online with uh, Choose FI, but it sounds like you're also uh, involved in your own local FI community. Can you tell us uh, what kind of meetups you've had and uh, what you enjoy about these meetups? Yeah, so I'm part of the Calgary Choose FI group, and it's been such a great experience. The first time that I went, I was a little bit apprehensive, you know, who are these crazy money people that I'm going to be meeting at the library? <laughs> but I figured yeah. it was a safe place so I could go and check it out, right? So, and it's been no turning back since then. So it's been awesome. We often have our meetings at the library, but I know in Calgary, of course, it's a big deal to have Stampede Breakfast. I know there was a meeting uh, at a Stampede <laughs> Breakfast during Stampede. I wasn't able to make it because we were off camping. We've even had a potluck at one couple's house in February or something. So we're doing a lot of different things. We're talking about having, you know, a picnic in the park, yeah, potluck, campfire, roasting wieners kind of thing. So uh, lots of possibilities. I love that. Now, how big are the groups usually? Uh, is there an average size that they tend to be or do they vary? Each meeting varies. We get together, I'd say, at least once a month. And there's usually about a dozen of us there. But, mm -hmm. and, you know, the part that I really like the best is, you know, we've got a young couple in their, I don't know, 30s, early 30s, and they're full retired. And we've got people that are in their 50s, and they're still working hard, paying their mortgage, but trying to take, you know, tips along the way. So it is a whole journey. And so we get to talk and you know, share our experiences with all kinds of things. <laughs> it's something I'm always interested in is uh, Money Mechanic and I, and also our co-host Ryan, we all have spouses that are not fully into this whole scene. So what is your husband's stance on, on FI and your involvement with all of this? You know, it's interesting because I have to make a clear distinction between uh, what's hobby, which is a lot of this spy work that I'm doing, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm busy. I'm not making any money doing this. <laughs> Sounds like a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> and a blogger too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, there's that. And then there's the business side. But of course, I learned so much in these meetups and groups and online communities that, you know, that translates then to what I can give to my clients as well. So my husband, you know, he's come to a few of the meetings with the, the Calgary Choose FI group and he gets it. He knows the people. He's like, oh yeah, they're much more normal than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. But, you know, even when I talk about the whole, the spread of the kinds of people that attend, the key thing is, is you would have no idea if you just met them on the street, right? Like you can talk about, oh, well, you know, you can live in a tiny home and eat dirt, right? I use this example all the time with my clients, you know, tiny home, eat dirt, or you can use some of those different aspects along the way at, up to the super spendy, right? And you know what? Even in our Choose FI meetup groups, we have super spendies, right? So it's mm -hmm. about learning and taking what you need and what you can what can, you can use and what you can share with the team. Yeah, that, and that's something I think uh, 
a lot of us are trying to address in the Phi community that it's not about being extremely frugal. It's about spending in line with your values and being smart with your choices and your money choices, your life choices, so that you can live a happier, more optimized life. Uh, it's it's not just about you know trying to save as much money as possible. There's there's all these other things, and it all connects to living a better life. Hard to follow that, Chrissy. You always come up with your great little uh, soliloquy there. I well, I it it kind of solidified after I I had a I had my own meetup recently with uh, a bunch of Vancouver based. Uh, it, it was personal finance bloggers who were invited, but it ended up being just uh, uh, FI bloggers who ended up showing up and. What we talked about, it was like, you know, we all have different levels of spending. We all, you know, some of us are spend way less and some of us spend a lot more. And but we all realize we have these certain areas where we're willing to spend a lot more on. I mean, you mentioned, Jolie, that you recently bought a new truck to tow your camping trailer around. And similar to us, my husband recently bought a classic Mustang. It's a third car. We don't need a third car. It's a toy for him, but it means so much to him. And for us, that's worth it, even if it slows our path to five. You know, we're spending in line with our values. And I think that's what really matters. Yeah, that's absolutely how we look at it too. You know, I feel not um, like maybe a little bit of an imposter. Like I am not going hardcore fire. I we absolutely aren't right. Uh, and even Fi, we're not doing that. We're taking you know the slow road. And I think my husband loves our truck more than anything, aside from me and the kids. Like seriously. <laughs> she's gonna find that out too <laughs> oh i already know <laughs> i mean I, I recently wrote that he he loves his cars you know he he has an, a mustang that it's a newer mustang but is old to him because he, we've had it for um like 11 years now but he loves it he misses it when he's on vacation so <laughs> That's I I can totally see you know it it does bring him happiness and that's okay you know it's it does mean a slower path to fi to have these these toys but it you know what what is it all for if if we're not happy right yeah, I think there's a lot of truth in that because online we're bombarded with you know sort of aggressive ways to achieve fire and and get to fi and there's so much focus on getting there as soon as possible and. I think all of us will agree we're all at a similar age here where slowing down and enjoying the ride is is just as important. And I think it's great to hear your story, Jolie, that you know the valuable things in life, spending time with your kids, taking the time off work, uh, to spend the time with them, to do the, the camping trips that you do and, and things like that. It's the real it's it's the more realistic way to do it. Uh, you know, it's great to say that we're going to be extremely frugal and invest 80, 85% of our uh, earnings and get to fire in, you know, less than 10 years. But I think for most of us, most Canadians, that's probably just not realistic. Yeah, I, I think it's a way more sustainable way to reach FI when you're taking going at a pace that's comfortable and allows you to still enjoy your life as you're you're working your way towards FI. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just what works for us. And, you know, it works for us right now. And you know what? In five years time, my kids will be out of the house. Maybe, maybe they'll still be here going to university, but I still have options at that time too. Maybe I will go back to work full time, or maybe my coaching business will be so busy that I won't have time for anything else. Right. But we can readjust as the time 
allows, right? For sure. Do you have you done any um, online coaching with your business? I mean, this is going to be released across Canada. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, have you ever done that sort of um, video conference type meetings? Are you interested in doing that, or is everything just personal in the Calgary area? Absolutely. I'm all set up with my Zoom meetings. And, you know, it's funny because even with that Chooseify curriculum review team, we meet once a week on our Zoom meetings, right? So I'm absolutely open to that. And even if it's a, a digital face-to-face, you know, then we can, you know, start to build a rapport that way. And, you know, even if it's someone here in Calgary local and we've met in person, but then, oh, we need a, an update and, hey, I'm camping or you're on holidays and we need to meet that that's an easy thing when technology these days everything is within reach okay well if i'm calling for an update on my financial plan with you you just can't be in the hammock while you're camping (laughs) talking to me okay just not from the hammock (laughs) well i'll tell you that sometimes the uh, cell service isn't so great from the hammock (laughs) 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 right on thanks so much for coming on the show this has been a great talk uh super excited to hear more about the high school curriculum or the school curriculum coming out any sort of parting words you'd like to throw at us here I think it's just so great that you guys are giving more Canadian content. I know it's really confusing sometimes for people to be reading uh, blogs and podcasts talking about 401ks and all this and you just kind of glaze over and gloss over that part and uh, I think it's really important to have a voice for the Canadian people out here that are working towards fire and fire and or even just simply wanting to know more about their finances. Exactly we're we're happy to help connect Canadians and uh, spread the fire in Canada. Mm. Yeah, we didn't even mention RRSP or TFSA once. In this I show. know right? <laughs> we'll get to it but you know I do find that interesting because so much of the work that I do with my clients is not necessarily technical like that either right we go through a lot of values based learning right at the beginning to say well what do you think you should be spending your money on and those kinds of things it doesn't have to be all the number crunching scary tax blah stuff right so really what it comes down to is your values and your habits around that and you know it it doesn't have to be as scary as you might think it is you're exactly right i mean when when we took on a financial planner that was when my husband got on board because ed our planner he started off by asking what do you picture in retirement or financial independence what kind of life do you want and that is what lit my husband up like he doesn't want to know about the numbers. He's not interested. It's just not <laughs> yeah. something he's into, right? So that kind of stuff bores him and overwhelms him. But when we started talking about what's your vision, that's what really helped him buy into all of this and, and really get it and internalize it. So I, I agree. I, I like that approach. So we usually close up our shows with our three signature questions. Our co-host Ryan isn't here, but usually I start and then and then he asks his question. So maybe one of us can take his question. So so I'll ask you mine. Uh, mine is, are you on Team Phi or Team Fire? Uh, definitely Team Phi, unless you consider uh, 55 early. <laughs> I well, think it is. Techni- that's technically early. Right? So, I mean, we were fortunate in that my husband got his government job early, and so he hits his 85 factor on his 55th birthday. So that's our 
longest term kind of that's his work plan now and we intend to follow that through you know with things going on in the economy and i don't know what exactly for sure is going to happen but that's our plan and but aside from that we aren't we aren't hardcore at all right on my question usually revolves around uh do it yourself um, do you have, uh, is there anything that's saved you a bunch of money between the two of you or the family uh, that you've, you've done around the house or on your vehicles? I know your vehicles are, your, uh, you had here some aging vehicles, which was a fantastic part. Oh, I guess maybe my question should be, there must have been a car on the farm that got like left. Uh, I know what you mean. And no, because, <laughs> you know, fully acknowledging privilege here, I was one of the spoiled kids so that when I was 17, I got a brand new car. Most people would look at that and say, that was dumb. But at the same time, I was then at the farm for a whole year. So guess what? Jolie got to do on the weekends. I got to change the oil in my car. So I knew every part of the engine. I got nice. to change the tires. I got to, you know, do all of those maintenance things because my dad's a farmer, right? He's tinkering and playing around in the shop all the time. So I learned all of those things so that then a year later, I moved to the city for school and I go for an oil change. Maybe I'm not doing it myself, but I'm paying somebody. Well, I know where the air filter is and how clean and dirty it should be. I'm not going to get scammed on those kinds of things, right? That's awesome. That's awesome. So having that early education sort of helped you in the longer road with, you not necessarily, maybe you don't have to DIY it yourself anymore, but you have the education and wherewithal to, to do that and save some money in the yeah. long run. And you know, that car, it, it, it was a Pontiac Sunbird and we drove that thing over 300,000 kilometers. So I think <laughs> like that was my baby <laughs> when I was a teenager. So I love that thing. We took such good care of that thing. We drove it for 15 years. That was the only car we had as two professionals working downtown Calgary. Fantastic. That's a great story. So I, I guess I will ask the last question, which is usually Ryan's question. <laughs> so he always wants to know, what's your favorite order at Tim Hortons? So I'm not a coffee drinker at all. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so, but that's not to say I don't order Tim Hortons. <laughs> so, but I don't like their teas. I'm more of a chai latte kind of girl, but... Uh, my husband is a double-double a kind of guy. And so if we're doing a long road trip, he'll often stop and get a coffee. And so it, if it's in the morning, I'll usually get their uh, bacon breakfast wrap and an apple juice. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Julie, thank you again for coming on the show. And it is Wellbeing Coaching, Inc., coaching confidence for financial independence. So people can find you there. We'll make sure we put a link in the show notes uh, so people can find you there. You're also part of the Choose Fi Calgary Facebook group and you're in the Choose Fi Canada group, of course. So that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and ahead. you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wellbeing Coaching. Thank you, Jolie. It was awesome talking to you. I think your story is inspiring because it's unique in that you're consciously choosing the slower path to fight. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people. Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening. You can find all our show notes at explorifycanada.ca. Do you like what you're hearing? Help us grow by sharing the show with friends and family. Please subscribe and leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast directory. 
You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca, canadianfire.ca, or eatsleepbreathefi.com. Our music today was provided by Purple Planet. We'll be back with another episode soon. We'll talk then.